But then it didn't. So, are you just getting here? Dude, I've been talking for like the last half hour. Anyways, uh, welcome to uh, episode 44 of Callcast. It's gonna be a doozy. I just found out that uh, the management company that manages me is going under. Yay. Which is a bummer, but possibly a blessing in disguise. I've been signed with them for well over a year and no jobs have come of it yet. So, that's stupid. I read this whole article that my former manager uh, sent me about it and the guy who runs that company just ran it right into the ground. He hasn't even paid his employees since December 30th. So, my manager, former manager, and I are we have plans to talk today about how to move forward because right now I have no managers and nobody to kind of like promote me, combat for me, and just and just, you know, go to go to bat for me when it comes to uh the industry. So whatever, I can't sit and just wait and wait and wait for things to happen. I have to make things happen. And I started to, like in 2021, started to think, oh, I'm so close to something breaking through, to something happening. 2023 is now here. And I kind of feel this reality check of like, oh, there's a long ways to go. So I just need to keep trekking. So I, I will be posting more short form content on my YouTube channel because I really want to grow my YouTube channel. I would love to just make YouTube videos and make money off of YouTube and make my living off of YouTube. Because I thought that was going to be TikTok, but it, that has proven to be so unreliable. And YouTube I keep hearing is where it's at. So the, one reason that I want to post short form content also is because I looked at, you know, my channel... The last several weeks have just been long form. It's just been podcast, film review, podcast, film review. And no actual short form stuff. Nothing that resembles why people, you know, uh, subscribe to me in the first place. I had this reality check of like, just keep grinding, posting funny content, posting long form content, and have kind of this network that is my channel. That people can come for this thing, people can come for that thing. And there might not be a lot of overlap, but there might be, and that's kind of what I'm counting on. But I don't want to alienate anybody, so that is why I'm trying to uh, do long form and short form. In my comedy skits, I try and toe the line between irreverent and relevant in my humor. My sense of humor is something that I'm very proud of. And I have built my page, my brand, uh, I hate using that word, but my brand, what people can expect when they come to my page is spoofing and parodying trending things. Videos, people that are trending, I'm gonna spoof them. My two biggest videos on TikTok, they are spoofs of videos that have come before them. They both have a couple hundred million views combined. And I feel like I only came to this realization within the past few months of what my page is and what I'm doing. Because before that, it was just me making the content, not really thinking about this is why, or this is how, this is where this comes from within me. It's just been me making it. So like my food review series, that is a parody of other channels who review food. But they do it for the sport of it, and I do not. I do it not necessarily to poke fun at them, but just poke fun at the food reviewing process. Which I don't even feel like I'm articulating it correctly there. But my sense of humor is so specific, and I wanted to get into that a little bit here. Because I find it very hard for 
a comedy to make me laugh or at least interest me. I'm extremely picky choosy when it comes to my comedies. There are few that I genuinely love and a ton of comedies that I dislike. Some movies that had a really big influence on me and you'll see that they all have a pattern here. Three Amigos, which is a parody of a Western and a parody of Hollywood. UHF, which parodies like all the movies that came around in, you know, that came out in that era when it was released. Cinderfella, which is a parody of Cinderella. The Nutty Professor, which is a parody of Jekyll and Hyde. And Ace Ventura, which is a detective parody. Those are five parody movies that spoof movies that came before it without losing the subtlety of the humor. Now, there are a ton of movies that aggravate me so much. So the scary movie franchise irritates the living crap out of me. Hot Shots, Airplane, Spaceballs, Naked Gun. I found humor in some of these movies back when I was 16, and that was even the tail end of when I would have found them funny in my life. These comedies lose all sense of reality. I still need the comedies that I watch to be grounded. Once you remove physics from the equation for a laugh or disobey the laws of gravity for a laugh, I have to jump ship. I can tolerate UHF because it's Weird Al, and if Weird Al would have been involved in some of those other movies I listed that I don't like, those movies would have turned out a lot different. Give me something like Tommy Boy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles or Horrible Bosses, where the comedy lies in the performance, not the comedy bits that they can pull off with the production. Oh, the funny costumes and the goofy set design. Whatever. Date Night, Game Night, School of Rock, Nacho Libre, In the Loop all have this grounded nature to them, even if they're goofy. See, but even then, because I love those movies, but then there's even movies like Step Brothers, The Other Guys, Identity Thief, that I don't like. I don't find them funny. I've actually tried watching both Step Brothers twice and the other guys twice. Both of those movies I've tried watching two times and I've turned off both times. I don't like them. It's just Will Ferrell yelling. I'm gonna yell and that's my comedy. When I've actually been told like, do not yell in your comedy because yelling is the ceiling and you can't go any higher than that. There is a very fine line between the humor that I love and the humor that I hate. And I've always had trouble explaining it, but I know when I love it and I know when I hate it. And I, I recognize patterns on each side of it that indicate as to why or what makes it about that specific comedy, what puts it in those categories. Hate's a strong word. I don't, I don't necessarily mean hate. I just mean that they are categories inside the comedy genre that I do not pay attention to and steer clear of uh, and avoid at all costs. Because that being said, that actually pulling off a true comedy in my eyes is very difficult. And I, I don't know exactly how to um, articulate how I feel about my sense of humor, but it's hard not to feel that my sense of humor is somewhat superior. And that the people who like Airplane and Hot Shots and Scary Movie and stuff it's hard not to see them as like a lower intellectual frequency. <laughs> Which I'm sorry if I'm calling you stupid inadvertently. Not inadvertently. It's not inadvertently at all, actually. I don't mean to be calling you stupid if you do enjoy those movies. But to me, it's an indicator as to, 
you know, that, the intelligence that, that that person is working with. I'm sorry. I'm just saying it how I see it. Comedy and what people find funny is based off of intelligence. I really think so. But not necessarily, not necessarily because comedy is based off of what is unexpected. Comedy IQ is a thing. Robin Williams had the highest comedy IQ out of any comedian I've ever seen before. He could pick up an artifact from Persia and riff a whole three minutes on what this thing is, what it does, what, where it came from, where it's going. It's just like, how? That is so intellectual. Unless it's just made up, but even you have to be so smart to even know what to come up with. So, I don't know, I'm just trying to find a segue into my um, second half of this episode, which I'm just going to read you guys my half of my Tommy's Boy sequel treatment. And a treatment is pretty much, I just read out the entire story, novel form, pretty much. I leave out a lot of the details because I like to find those in the script writing, but I'm not writing the script yet. I'm writing the full story. <gasps> so, let me read this. And you guys can tell me in the comments if this is a movie that you guys would watch or not. So act one, we open on City Hall in a, in a power wide shot. A janky vehicle pulls into the same vicinity and parks and it's late at night so the streets are clear. The driver is Christopher Callahan. Tommy Callahan, Christopher Callahan, that's me. Chris leaves the keys in the ignition and leaves the car running while he exits. He's acting alone and sneaks to this massive building the city hall, with cans of spray paint, so he begins to tag the concrete. The image he draws is big and elaborate and kind of dumb. The police pass by and slam on their brakes, but Chris tries to escape and he does. He evades the police until they cleverly catch him. Cut to we are now in a courtroom where an elderly judge sits on his raised throne, tallest in the room. He reads a sentencing out to Christopher Callahan. The judge himself reveals himself to be Judge Reinhold, a friend of Chris's father, Tommy Callahan. For this, he gives Chris a lighter sentence, which includes an allotted number of hours that he will need to perform community service. Chris is pleased with the sentencing because um, it still gives him freedom in, in the morning and the evening. Part of where they perform community service is the exact place that, you know, Chris tagged the building with spray paint. Him and six other workers, both male and female, they're there by law. Chris is able to keep spirits high by, like, mooning oncoming traffic and just making everybody laugh. But the guards shut that down with intimidation and force. Chris decides just to leave his shenanigans to late at night because he finds one of the guards' ID badges. And he visits his home late at night and he punctures one of his, one of his tires. It's a struggle for him, but Chris gets it done undetected. That guard is humbled the next day, showing up to work in an Uber. Or maybe some, his wife drives him or his mom drives him. He knows it was Chris that punctured his, his, you know, Jeep. Tire. Can't think of that word. He knows it was Chris, but can't prove it. And this allows for a mutual, nonverbal agreement between them. Then during community service, an unmarked Viper pulls up where they're working, and the driver mysteriously asks Chris, get in the car with me. Chris is like, okay. He doesn't want to, but the guards make him. He's taken downtown, where he's told that the judge, who, who gave him the sentence, has just passed away. But right before he passed away, he signed a document 
And this unintentionally signed document grants Chris immunity from the legal system for an indefinite amount of time within citywide limits. Chris is stunned and the sheriff attempts to take him back to the community service, but Chris is like, no, there's no consequences for him if he doesn't go. But he thinks about it and he decides, maybe I will. He goes back to the work site after all. Chris is then mooning traffic freely. He even hits one of the guards and steals his gun and then stops a vehicle in the road and steals the vehicle. He's not going to be penalized for it. He has full immunity. All the while, the sheriff and the guards just have to stand by and watch. Which leads to the police just following Chris around while he commits these little crimes in public without any consequences whatsoever. The sheriff decides to take matters into his own hands, recruiting a few others in inside the department. They're not going to allow some little signed document stand in the way of them doing their job. Chris still has that firearm, and he visits a comedy club. Now that he's committed a bunch of these crimes, he's kind of gotten used to it. And each crime is kind of growing. Now he has the courage to go commit murder. He tries to assassinate the person on stage performing the comedy, which is a person that is close to him, but the crowd chases Chris out of the club and he narrowly escapes, showing that showing him that legal consequences are half of the worry. The next day, Chris visits the home of the person that he tried to assassinate, and they argue humorously, which leads to a wholesome ending to the evening as a whole between the two of them, because they are exes who, who had broken up at the time. And they're very mentally unstable. That's, that's also what I'm getting at, is Chris is very mentally unstable. The next morning, Bethany is nowhere to be seen. Chris is distraught as he looks for her. He just had this beautiful evening with her. The sheriff enters the premise menacingly, revealing that he kidnapped Bethany and is holding her just outside city limits. If Chris wants to see her or save her, he's going to have to go outside city limits to get her. Chris then attacks the sheriff and is winning the fight, even though backup enters the apartment. Chris is not going to have any legal ramifications for beating up the sheriff, but still, like, the cops are coming in and he, he's going to lose the fight physically. And then Chris makes a run for his life, not out of fear of being arrested, but out of fear of being killed. The sheriff even convinces a cop not to shoot Chris because it would be bad for them. Chris then decides to keep the cops busy and commit bigger crimes that blockade them from, from interfering. And that is the story that I have right now. So... Sorry if you might have got a little lost in there. I tried to make it as clear-cut as possible. Chris commits a crime. He's sentenced to a bunch of community service. But there's this legal snafu in which he's granted immunity at the same time. Or not at the same time. I'll have to figure the logistics out there. So now he's granted immunity, but the cops are not okay with that. So then they start breaking the law in order to, you know, get the upper hand. I don't know. It's just interesting. I'm working this thing out, and I want it to be funny all along the whole way. I want the bad guy to be one of the cops. I, I think that that would be interesting if the sheriff of the police department was the bad guy kind of conducting himself uh, um, against the law. But I think it would be funny. It would be, you know, I'm attaching it to Tommy Boy... It's not going to be some brake pad movie where they're just going around selling brake pads. It's going to be an actual story where Chris Callahan is learning the consequences that can come with freedom. If you're granted immunity 
How much freedom that, does that give you and how dangerous is that freedom? You could end up losing your life really quickly or killing somebody else. But I am trying to format this movie off of the, the movies that I listed to you guys that I love and grew up with. Not necessarily the parody aspect so much, although there's bound to be that in there, in this movie. Because that's just who I am. That's the gravitational pull that I feel towards comedy is just to kind of spoof and parody. But all, all the while with that distinction that I made earlier in this episode. But I think that's my episode for today. Thank you guys for being here. Appreciate you. Do let me know what you think, you know, if you were able to keep along with my treatment there. Please let me know what you thought. Thanks, guys. Peace. Bye.